Let's pray. Father, on this Thanksgiving weekend, we pause to give you thanks. Lord, I pray for many of us in here that we look back over the year and we've got a lot of things we're thankful for, excited about, and many good things. And Lord, I know in a room this size, there's those who look back and, boy, this year just can't be done soon enough. It's been a difficult year and it's, it's not necessarily been filled with good things. But God, as we pause before you in this moment, I give thanks for things that are always good and always true, no matter what kind of year, what kind of day, what kind of week we're having. I'm thankful that you ran to us. You came to us. We couldn't get to you. You came to us. I'm thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for what he did for me, for us on the cross. Thankful that through him I can be forgiven of all my sins, be a child of God and have heaven as my future and my home. God, I'm thankful for your word. It gives us such clear and good instruction for every area of life. And it's, it's never wrong. It never fails. It never disappoints. God, I'm thankful for the church and what you've provided for us in this place we call the church. God, I'm grateful to be pastor at this place and your goodness in allowing that. Father, I'm thankful for an opportunity to come and rest and worship and fellowship and be rejuvenated in you emotionally and spiritually and physically as we head back into the world that you've sent us to live and to follow you. Thank you, God, for all of your goodness. We acknowledge that we believe Scripture. And it says that every good thing, every good thing, a good moment, a good emotion, a good meal, and many other things, every good thing, it's from your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I do want to... Uh, to say something real quick about the, the guy you just saw there on the video. As I said earlier, that's who I, I worked with for 12 years. He's like a, uh, oh gosh, like almost like a spiritual father, a mentor uh, to, to me and to my ministry. I've actually, I knew him also at the church I grew up in. He was an associate pastor, so I've known him uh, for, for well over, I, I guess this year will be 30 years that I've known him. But what I'm real excited about, he's going to be coming and uh, speaking at our church in the near future when we uh, open. We open in April down at the uh, new building, and then in May we have a grand opening. Well, from that grand opening till the end of the year is 33 weekends, and we have planned every single one of those weekends already uh, of what's going to happen that whole rest of the year in our new building. And one of those weekends is going to be uh, uh, Pastor Hamlet here. Dr. Hamlet will be coming, and, and I've asked him to challenge us. We've been given this great opportunity. We'll, we will have at that time been given this building and, and all that comes with it, and he'll be coming that weekend in June uh, to share with us. And I'm, I'm real excited after all these years to, to finally have my pastor uh, come and, and share with us here. So I hope you'll look forward to that now that you've got a face and a voice uh, and you'll know what I'm talking about when we start promoting that later in, uh, in 2008. Well, I, ever since I've had that title up, I've had the question the last couple of days and those around the office have seen it and uh, a couple of times today, well, what is a PHB? 
I, I thought maybe more people were familiar with that. If you're familiar with the comic strip Dilbert, you should be familiar with a PHB. PHB is the pointy-haired boss. And uh, he's been made famous in that comic strip. But I'll tell you, he has taken on a life of his own outside of the comic strip. If you Google, go home today and Google bad bosses... You will find this guy, guy on thousands of web pages. He is the epitome. He is the definition of a bad boss. Let me read to you how he is, um, how he's described. Uh, he, the, the, the PHB here, he's every employee's worst nightmare. He wasn't born mean and unscrupulous. He worked hard at it and succeeded. As for stupidity, well, some things are inborn. His top priorities are the bottom line and looking good in front of his subordinates and superiors. Not necessarily in that order. Of absolutely no concern to him is the professional or personal well-being of his employees. The boss is technologically challenged, but he stays current on all the latest business trends, even though he rarely understands them. Well, that sounds awful to work for. I mean, you know, he might be funny to look at, but I'm guessing it's not funny to work with him or to work for him. And apparently, a lot of you have worked for him. One survey, a number of surveys communicate this kind of thing, but one survey I read suggested that 80% of the workforce at one time or another has worked for a pointy-haired boss, has worked for a bad boss. Now, when you start talking about what that really means outside of the, the definition we got here of this guy, CNN Money says there's three factors that make a really bad boss. One, he tends to treat employees like children or criminals. They, he or she tends to be unfair. And this third one, which really grabbed me, is they create insecurity. You know, I got to thinking, you know, a boss... In a little way, it sounds funny saying in church, but he's like a god. I mean, that boss will, for some period of time, I mean, they hold your life in their hands. They can raise you up. They can take you down. They can give you more or make sure you're stuck right where you are. They have the ability to make your life exciting and encouraging, and they have the ability to make life very discouraging and take a lot of energy out of it. They can create that insecurity in the way they appear to hold your life in their hands. Well, that's a discouraging situation. Now, the good news is, especially since a lot of us at one time or another are going to deal with a bad boss, is that God has an answer for us. God has direction for us. This is, again, one of these places we turn to and we see the beauty, the power, the reality of Scripture and how God addresses everywhere we are. Would you turn with me this morning and look at Ephesians chapter 6. At Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, I hope you'll use one there in the pew and study along with us. I, you know what? I stopped this week and I hadn't done this yet. I counted up how many messages I've done in Ephesians. This is the 23rd message. Some of you are thinking, does it ever end? Well, there's two more. And then we'll try to remember that it's Christmas somewhere in December. But I am going to finish up before we finish this year. But uh, we're here today at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Let's look at it. It says, Slaves, 
Obey your human masters with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Render service with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat them the same way without threatening them. See, even there in Scripture, apparently this insecurity is not just in our day. It goes way back without threatening them because you know that both their and your master is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Now, you don't have to be paying real close attention to notice that nowhere in that passage do you see PHB or do you see the word boss. But what we do see in this slavery situation with master and slave, we do see the principles that we need in working in all kinds of relationships where somebody in authority is over us. They, they have control of some aspect of our life. We see how to deal with this. This is a, a, a master, a slave. It can be an employer, an employee. It can be a teacher and a student. Every now and then you might run into a bad teacher. Not very often, but every now and then. This can even be dealing with volunteers. Uh, you know, you might be volunteering in an organization or in, in some effort. And every now and then you get one of those coordinators that just really thrills in the power that they have. And, and, and what they might do with that. This could even be for a, well, a mom. Who maybe works very hard at home but is, is not always acknowledged, not always appreciated for what she does. This can mean all kinds of relationships like this. This passage gives us the principles to deal with as we look at this. Now, before we head on to understand these principles, let's kind of deal with this slavery issue for a moment. Because as you see, Paul throws it out there very casually. Very, very matter of fact. I mean, he talks about it and, and doesn't say that it's wrong. Well, people have used passages like this in the Bible to say that, that the Bible condones or, or even approves of slavery. Is that what is happening right here? No, that's not. The Scripture does not condone anywhere the ill treatment or the enslavement of human beings, people who are created in the image of God. What Paul is doing is addressing a reality and the people who are in it and giving them God's instructions. The Bible is no more for slavery than the Bible is for bad bosses. But slavery is a reality. And apparently bad bosses are a reality. And since many of us at one time or another will work with a bad boss... God gives us direction. God gives us help in where to go. Now, what is interesting about this passage, as a matter of fact, the passages we've been in the last couple of weeks, is the kind of cultural confrontation that the Scripture is bringing to bear. Now, you won't, re you won't see this just reading through it. You, you do have to, to research a little bit of the history and the culture. But when you understand when, when they first received Paul's letter in Ephesus and it was read in the church, there was a cultural confrontation there. He said, what are you talking about? Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul, the scriptures actually specifically directly address, are you ready for this? Women! 
talks to them like they're people or something. And then, in Ephesians 6, 1, it addresses children. And now, in Ephesians 6, 5, it speaks directly to slaves. You and I read that, nothing. We just, we just roll right on by it. God's, God's talking to women. God's talking to children. God's talking to slaves. Folks, that didn't happen in this culture. Slaves, and yes, even women and children, were, were legally almost seen as property. Not even really persons. And it was not culturally appropriate to have a public document, to have a public setting, and speak directly to a woman. Speak directly to a slave. They're not even people. You don't, you don't acknowledge them in a public forum like that. So when God's Word speaks directly to them because they are people, they are persons created in the image of God, you and I might miss that, but in that culture it was saying, wow, God gives them status. God recognizes them as people. Now, what is this passage saying to us today about that PHB? What is it saying to us about that person who has authority over us and has the ability to make our life generally miserable? Who has the ability to to take advantage of us and and we can't do a whole lot about it? Well, the, the operative word here, the big principle here is a little tiny word. It's that word all through here, as. As. We, we serve our master, we work for our boss, we serve that volunteer coordinator, association president, den mother. I can't imagine there'd be a bad den mother, can you? But maybe there's one out there. We serve them as we serve the Lord. Chapter, or verse 5, we serve as to Christ. Verse 6, as slaves of Christ. Verse 7, as unto the Lord. Over and over and over, we are told to serve these people as we serve the Lord. You say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense at all. My, my boss is nothing like the Lord. That's why it's so hard. No, it's not saying your boss is the Lord. It's not saying your boss is like the Lord. What it's saying is you are working for the Lord. And folks, we're going, to be, we're going to say this over and over throughout this sermon. You need to understand something. This is not a Mary Poppins idea. We're not slapping a smiley face on a difficult situation. We're not, we're not trying to think positively about a negative environment. It is reality. It is truth. You work for the Lord in everything that you do. You're working for Him. That's the principle. That's the mentality that we enter every job. Now, let's understand a little bit more about this. It starts off here saying, obey your human masters. You see that word masters there. The, the Greek word there for masters is kairios. And there's a little bit of a word play going on here. That word is translated master or sir, like we might say, yes, sir, or Lord. That word, that same word there used for masters is the word that is most often used to refer to Jesus throughout the New Testament. He's the the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ the Lord, Christ the Lord, the Lord. He is often referred to with this word, kairios, you're the, the Lord, you're the master, you're the sir. 
Well, the word play going on here is it's kind of bouncing back and forth between an earthly kairios and a heavenly kairios. As we work under, as we work with this earthly kairios, we are working for our heavenly kairios. When, when we give good and faithful service to our earthly boss, we are giving good and faithful service to our heavenly boss. Now, this, this is tough to grasp. It is tough to really see this because, because my heavenly boss is so unfair. But your real boss, your heavenly boss, is not unfair. Well, my earthly boss plays favorites, but your heavenly boss does not play favorites. My, you know, my, my, my earthly boss, he doesn't acknowledge the efforts. He, doesn't, he didn't acknowledge that work that I'd done. He took credit for that work that I'd done. Do you know what? Your heavenly boss will never, not one time, will never do that. Your heavenly boss will always acknowledge. He sees every work that you do and he will acknowledge it. He will give credit for it. He will compensate fairly and justly. Folks, that's the attitude we're to be having. We are working for him. Now, this is, this, oh, we can stop right now and this is a lot to comprehend because it, it doesn't feel like I'm working for him when I get there or her on, on Monday or Tuesday. But then Paul goes a step further and I think he's just kind of, you know, meddling now. Because <laughs> he says, not only work for that boss as the Lord, but with fear and trembling. The reason, that's just, that's getting kind of close, isn't it? I mean, you think about it. When this was read in Ephesus, there, there were slaves hearing this. Gosh, they know what fear and trembling is. They, they know what it is to work with the fear of the whip, the, the, the fear of having their, their family broken up and, and sold off into pieces. Of course, I imagine some of us in here are not slaves, but we know fear when we go to work. We know that, that insecurity that we were talking about a moment ago. And man, that's real. And so for Paul to almost, gosh, he's kind of playing on it. And says, you need to serve that fear. Well, we need to understand what Paul wants us to be fearful, trembling of. He's not saying, now when you get to work money, you need to go in there just scared to death of your boss. That, that's not what he's saying. You have to remember, the Bible uses throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament uses this concept of fear. And it's not a fear of shaking and trembling so much so that I become paralyzed and don't even go in. It's a fear that is synonymous with the idea of respect and awe. We're told over and over, we fear the Lord. We are in respect and awe of the fact He sees everything, He judges everything. I will stand before Him one day. And I am in such awe of that fact, it literally impacts how I live, how I treat others. Well, what Paul's referring to here is that. I'm living in fear and trembling of that day of job evaluation. The, the day of judgment. There's a day where what I do tomorrow morning, what I do tomorrow at work, what I did last week at work, that's all going to go before the Lord. Every bit of my job is going to be evaluated. Now, I don't need to be fearful of that, scared, oh, that's going to be a bad, well, it depends on how you work, it might be a bad thing. But if I'm working hard, man, I am still, I'm in such awe of the fact that all of this will be brought before my boss and dealt with. I'm in such awe of that day. I'm in such respect of that day that it affects how I deal with the PHB. It affects how I deal with the temptations and the problems and the issues that arise at work. And oh, by the way, my boss is going to be there too. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm judged for how I work under that boss. He's going to be judged for how he worked over me. He has to go to that day of judgment. Man, what an awesome day. And it's a very real day. And so with respect and with awe, I go serve as if I'm serving the Lord. Now, as if that's not overwhelming enough, Paul goes a step further. And he starts talking about apparently something that is always a human condition. He starts talking about how we work when the boss is on vacation. Apparently it was an issue in the first century like it is today. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know, when the cat's away, the mice will, they, they play, you know. Hey, even a good boss, when the boss is gone, it's just, you know, just a lot nicer around work, isn't it? Takes a little bit of edge off. Well, God says, what are you talking about? Why, why do you give certain effort, certain energy, certain passion when he's watching, but think you're getting away with something when he's not watching? Oh, wait a minute. Let's remind ourselves who the he is. Our heavenly boss is always watching. He, he never goes on vacation. You've not worked. And folks, this, this is not metaphorical. This is fact. You've not worked a single second of your life. Your heavenly boss didn't observe. He observes every bit of it. But it's not just about watching what I'm doing on the outside. Am I doing what I was supposed to do? Am I doing the job assigned? Am I doing it well? It's not just that. Look at, this, look at these words here. Look in verse uh, 5. You see that word sincerity? And then, and then it has the word heart. Look at verse 6. Is it in there too? Yeah, the word heart is in verse 6 also. Verse 7, render service with a good attitude. Where does sincerity and heart and attitude reside? Inside. <laughs> it's a good thing the boss can't see inside. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I've got to keep reminding myself who the boss is. You see, God doesn't just see when I'm doing the job I was told to do. I did it and I'll get off my back. No, God sees when I'm working. He sees when I'm not working. He also sees when I'm working, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But he knows the attitude I'm doing it on the inside. He heard those words when I was doing the job I was supposed to do and doing a good job at it. But I was mumbling to the person next to me about how bad the job is, how bad the environment is, how bad the boss is. God says, oh, no, 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 that that doesn't count. That, that, That doesn't work. God is just as interested in the energy and the effort and the excellence with which I do work on the outside. He's just as interested in what my attitude is on the inside. Are you ready for this? God not only wants you to do a good job, He wants you to want to do a good job. Now, if it's for that PHB, man, that's a challenge. You know, you know what really the, the big principle here is, even bigger than working for bosses? The big thing that flies off the page here is that everything is worship. So that's, that's, we have a dichotomy. You know, it's Sunday, I'm here at church. I, I'm singing and I'm sitting here looking good and I'm reading my Bible and I'm devoted to the Lord. I'm doing the God stuff, doing the religious thing right now. But then tomorrow, we, you know, we pack all that up, we go home, and now I'm, I'm doing work. And you don't do work like you do the God thing because it's the real world. And we've got this, this dichotomy. Scripture doesn't have that dichotomy. Folks, in the exact same way, identical. There's no difference. In the same way, 
that you stand here and please the Lord with songs of praise and, and giving your time to, to devote, devotion to understand His Word. In the same way that you're doing the God thing right now and worshiping Him, it's just as much worship when you get in your car and you go to work tomorrow with a good attitude. It's just as much religion when you go to work tomorrow and you give your best effort for a job that maybe is not really acknowledging you, giving credit to you, recognizing you. That's worship. That's God's stuff also. You know, what a reminder. We don't work for the eye of man. Whether we're in the the classroom or the workroom or the field of athletics, or we're volunteering, or we're in church. Sometimes we work for the eye of man in church too, don't we? No, we're never, not in anything that we do, are we working for the eye of man. We're always working for the eye of God. You know, when you read this passage, I, I don't see how anybody can read this and leave not realizing, you know what, the Christian ought to be the very best employee, volunteer, helper, whatever. Now, when I say the best, I don't necessarily mean best in skill. I mean, there's unbelievers that are better than me at doing some skill. I can't change that. I can't do that. They're just better, period. But a good employee, man, that's attitude, that's heart, that's the commitment you bring to the job. Man, that's, that's just as important as skill, isn't it? And we ought to be the very best for one simple reason. We're doing it for Jesus. Who is more worthy than that? Yes, you've got to look around your boss to see that. But who is more worthy? What is more worthy than working for the Lord? I'm going to keep saying this. This is not just a positive attitude. This is reality. You are working for Him. Yes, Yes, unfortunately, it may look like your boss is reaping the results of that. You work hard, you're serving the Lord, and your boss advances. Your boss gets the credit. But you know what? That's only in the short run. In the long run, God advances. In the long run, you advance. As a matter of fact, let me throw a little bit of a curveball at you. The worse the boss... The higher, the better the reward. Well, let me say that again. The worse the boss you have to deal with. Now, I don't, I don't think the Bible is, oh, Lord, please give me a bad boss. I would love to serve under a bad boss. No, I don't think we have to want that. But should you arrive there, the, worst, the worse the boss, the better the pay, the better the reward you're going to get. You say, what are you talking about? Now, let's take two people here. Two, two, two believers. They're in these jobs and, and they work with the same commitment, the same excellence, the same passion. They give their very best effort. They do a good job. They're absolutely equal in that. This one over here, he's under a good boss. That boss encourages, that, that boss rewards and, and compensates rightly and fairly. And the, the boss is just an encouraging situation. This guy over here works in a very discouraging situation. Now, they, they both have done the same work. I believe God pays this one more. Yeah, you, are you serious? Yeah. It's called hazardous duty pay. You know what I'm talking about? Don't we pay more in hazardous duty? Guess what, folks? God is always, always, always fair. And He compensates rightly. 
Now, I'm not going to go to it today, but if you're just wondering about this whole idea, go home this afternoon, read 1 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3, and you see if this guy over here doesn't get paid more when he gets to heaven. God believes in hazardous duty pay. Now, folks, you stop and think about all these things. Man, when I get to work tomorrow, I'm really working for him. I'm working in light of a day in which it's all going to be recognized. It's all going to be acknowledged and rewarded in that day of judgment. So that's going to impact my attitude and my actions and everything about it. Uh, you know, I, I, I go in there knowing even if I go to a bad situation, well, man, praise the Lord. That just means all the more I get later. This stuff I get right now is temporary. It doesn't last. When I get rewarded here with that hazardous duty pay, that stuff lasts forever. Now, folks, this is true. It's real. And since it's true, and since it's real, God expects it to affect our attitude tomorrow and how we work. As a matter of fact, he even says there in verse 9, he's speaking to bosses, but I, I think he wants the employees to know too, oh, by the way, your boss, he's working for me also. You, see, you and I, we work for Jesus in how and in the way we work with this boss that's over us. But that boss is also working for Jesus. And he's working for Jesus in the way he works and cares and provides for those employees. Hey, Mr. Boss, and we got some of those out there today. You've got a boss also. Isn't that what it says right here? His name is Jesus. And he cares, listen to me, he cares how you treat his employees. Doesn't matter whether they're believers or they're unbelievers. They're all his employees. And you're going to be held accountable for how you treated them. Folks, at the end of the day, we can always trust Jesus sees what's going on. And he's going to reward and he's going to pay and he's going to compensate fairly. You know, as this passage closes, one last line there, you see that last phrase. There's no favoritism. With him. Let me say one last thing about a job. You know, we get frustrated. Not all of us, but there's certainly some of us in here. We're frustrated by our level, our status in life, and we feel like we're stuck. I mean, you know, let, let's be honest, you, you get certain amounts of education, you get certain experiences, you got certain connections, it gives you the ability to, to move on up that ladder. And the more you move up the ladder, well, the more. <laughs> the, the more money, the more bonuses, the more credit, the more recognition. Matter of fact, the, the more you move up, the less you can do and get credit for what everybody's doing under you. It's kind of a cool situation here we got going on earth. But there are not a whole lot of people making that move up. That means there's a whole lot down here who, who don't get the advantage of that status and of that level and, and can feel really frustrated by it. Because, you know, if you're at a level down here, you don't get that option. It doesn't matter how hard you work, how well you do, you, you, you are minus some things, so you're never going to get past that status. God says, you know what, I want you to know something. Your status on earth is never going to hold you back in heaven. Your status, your level here is not going to keep you from anything up there. The only question God's got is, were you faithful at the level you were at? Were you faithful? And as you and I can say yes, yes, Lord, I was faithful. I was a good steward. I was a good manager with the level that you put me at. 
then you have the same opportunity for reward and advancement and benefit. And by the way, I believe all those things happen in heaven. You are open to the same rewards and compensation and bonuses as anybody who is 10, 15, 20 earthly levels above you. Your level will not keep you back. You won't get to heaven and say, gosh, that's going to hurt me here too. That's not going to happen. Folks, when you start building all of these things up, shouldn't this somewhere along the way affect our attitude about work? Well, God expects that it should. Now you say, you know, I, I say that, and I don't know everything that you do. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the thing that pastors, you know, you don't live in the real world. Well, I, maybe I do, I don't know. I, don't. I know I have not had in my life to really deal with a PHB. I, I really haven't. As I read this passage, I'm, I'm not challenged by that, maybe as some of you in here feel. I've had one what I would call PHB experience. It was a good boss. He just had a dumb PHB moment. I, I had, and I really don't want to go into it, uh, explain it, but I had accomplished something. I had reached a level. I, it, it was the kind of thing, it demanded recognition. I, you know what that is at work. There are certain times, certain things, that it demands recognition, and I didn't get it. I didn't get it publicly. I didn't get it privately. I didn't get it on a little sticky note. Nothing. It's completely ignored, completely missed. I want to tell you something. That hurt my feelings. And I don't mean it hurt my feelings that day or that week. I mean that crawled up in me for a couple of months. And it affected my attitude about him. It affected my, my job. I, I it hurt. I, I don't know how to say it any different. I'm assuming some of you know where I'm living or what I was talking about. Now, it, you know, I'm thinking about this passage. I can encapsulate that all in a moment. There it is. And it's gone. I don't really have to deal with that. I can't imagine what it's like to deal with that guy day in and day out. That, that it's not just a moment. It's not a particular area where that person failed. It's how they are and you live with it day in and day out. That's got to be hard. And I wish, now I've done this. I've done everything this pastor says. Let me tell you, it works. But you know what? I don't have to be the one who says that. I didn't write it. God did. And God says, you're working for me. And we've got to get that in front of us. Otherwise, that, that woman, that man, that job will eat us alive. I mean, we're, we're at a week of Thanksgiving, aren't we? Tell you what, your job, your boss has a lot of ability to steal joy and energy and life and any attempt at being thankful. I wouldn't be surprised if, if more than one or two of you in here, your Thanksgiving was impacted by, by what you're dealing with at work. But as I've used the phrase this morning, some, some truths that we can always be thankful for. I'm reminded of, out of this passage of some things we can always be thankful for, things we can be thankful for as we go to work tomorrow. Number one, they're not ultimately my boss. Yes, they, they, got, a, they got a temporary touch on my life and I don't like it. God's not telling you to like it, by the way. He's just saying, keep in mind, ultimately they're not your boss. Your real boss is good. Secondly, we can be thankful. Go home and read this today. The worse the boss, the greater the reward. 
Again, you don't have to like the fact that you're working for them, but you can take hope, you can have faith. Man, what I'm going to get from this, and it lasts forever. The, the third thing we can be thankful for is that our boss here may miss things, may not compensate fairly, may take credit. Your boss there doesn't miss a thing. He will reward, he will compensate, he will be fair. And lastly, we can be thankful, folks. And you may like your status here. But whether you like it or not, your status here is not going to hold you back from anything. He's not going to, uh, you know, you're, you're at that level. You need to go to that room over there. This is only for, no. No favorites with God. No status is going to hold you back. With these truths. Truths. Real. Realities. Not just positive thoughts. With these truths. We need to go to that home. We need to go to that classroom. We need to go to that meeting. We need to go to that job. And when you walk in there tomorrow, you say, everything I'm doing today, I'm working for the Lord. He's paying for this. And He's worthy of my best. Let's pray. Lord, I I think probably most of us in here believe this. We we believe this. We say, amen, that's the truth. I I know it's the truth. I, I don't need it explained anymore. But Lord, we can get so diverted, so disillusioned from seeing this truth by some of those work environments, those conditions, some of those bosses out there. And day after day after day, we we go to that. And these truths, Lord, they just kind of, they just seem to be a million miles away. Lord, I guess if anything, what we see today, we see the importance as a follower of Christ to be in your word on a daily basis. Not, Not just for the truth of this. There's all kinds of truths that when the world's done bombarding us, we we've forgotten them. They don't seem real to us anymore. They're so far away. God, may we see the necessity of keeping your truths in front of us, keeping our eyes focused on them. God, give us the faith. God, give us the fear to let those truths guide and direct our lives. Because, Lord, when we stand before you, we want to be a good employee. And we want to be open for whatever those rewards and compensation and bonuses that last forever. God, I want, I want my life, my job to be, to, to have an opportunity to be open to all of that stuff. God, help me, help us to realize, well, that begins when I get to work tomorrow. That begins when I go to do my job. The thing I'm here to be working on and doing. God, this week, would you give us a vision of of you? And Lord, help us to remember as we go to work, that's where you're sending us to advance your kingdom. I I, I go as 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 a plumber, as a CPA, as an engineer, as a sales clerk, as a mom, as a student. I'm going to that place to advance the kingdom of God. And perhaps the way I will do that tomorrow will simply be through my attitude. My smile, a a commitment to do the very best. God, we want our lives to shine on the truth of your word, not be ashamed to it. Give us that ability. We pray it in the name 
of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I say this so many times when I conclude a sermon. And it's just absolutely true. You can't do any of this. You can't. This is not a pep talk. Now go out there. Woo! Go get it. Work hard tomorrow. Be your best. It's not a halftime pep talk. You can't do it. Unless that Kairos, that boss, that Lord Jesus is living in you. And you can't do anything to get him to live in you. But as a gift, he will come and live in you. And forgive you of all your sins and give you eternal life. It's the gift of Jesus Christ. Have you laid hold of that gift? Do you know that he's living in you and will empower you to be this kind of person? Boy, if you don't know that today... Today can be the day that you receive that gift. We're concluding our service now. It's a time of invitation. God invites you to come and receive His gift. We'll be standing and singing. We invite you to come down here. Take one of these pastors by the hand and say, I want God's gift of life. I want Him to live in me. And let us pray with you for a moment and talk with you about that. Oh, I, I didn't plan on that today. That's not my schedule. We get, you know, it's the rest of Thanksgiving weekend. i got things to get. This is the biggest thing you'll ever do in your entire life. You don't ever walk away from the biggest thing you can do in your entire life. It's a step of faith. Will you take that step of faith today and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Maybe today you need to become a member of this church. I'm not saying that. I don't know if you need to be a member of this church or not, but maybe you sense God's leading you to become a part of this church. How do I become a member? We invite you to. We invite you to become a part of this family. You come forward right now. Tell this pastor, I want to be a part of your church family. We'll take care of that in this time too. So as we stand and as we sing, what is God inviting you to do today? Say yes to Him. He's your boss. But He's good. He's good. You come.